welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Oh, Father God, I want to thank you for Peter. Lord, I thank you for their whole family and the blessing that they are to this church. God, I thank you for his faithful leadership, Father, and his love for you. And Lord, I just want to pray that you would anoint what he shares this morning, that we would hear your word to us this morning through what he shares. Father, I pray you'd give us um, open hearts to receive what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'd, um, <laughs> it's this time of year, isn't it? I've been um, preparing for a while for something to speak on, and um, I just um, got to a point this last couple of weeks where I, I realized it wasn't very appropriate for um, today, and kind of we're leading up to Christmas, and yeah, bar humbug. Um, it's kind of, it's a bit too much, isn't it? And um, it gets hyped. It's not about Jesus. It's all commercialized. And I don't know if you get frustrated with that and, and just like, oh. And so I was just wondering, well, maybe this year we'll just have a, a low-key Christmas. You know, Jesus is the reason for the season. So, yeah, don't take Christ out of Christmas. You know, we'll, we'll not do all that other stuff. We'll just, you know, just have a quiet one. I think, you know, the ascetic approach, not, not celebrating, is, uh, is, you know, that's probably God's way for us, really, as Christians. <laughs> we need to kind of dress down a bit, and uh, we need to be pure and not of the world. That's a load of rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> We're coming up to Christmas, and uh, I, really, I, I really do like celebrating. I, I kind of enjoy um, being out there and, and celebrating. And um, so, um, Matt, if you can put up a picture of celebration for me. No, that's celebrations. Um, I have got some celebrations. They, they, they're going to go around now. And uh, you can help them s- yourself to them as they continue to pass around as I'm speaking, as long as you don't rustle the wrapper too loudly. Um, and um, so that's not celebration. Can you put up a picture that's really about celebration, please, Matt? The party popper. Now, this is kind of the understatement of, of celebration, isn't it? it, it, it you kind of you want to get excited about something, and somebody hands you a party popper, and it goes, <laughs> and the things go out the end, and you're just like, oh, I'm so disappointed. And um, and I think when people think about kind of um, Christians and the way we celebrate, they think about us in kind of a very party popper kind of way. That's what we're like, isn't it? And it's just a bit of a disappointment, a Christian party. And I don't want it to be like that. I'd prefer our celebration to be like this. Fireworks. I, you know, I, I want, as we celebrate Christmas, um, as we celebrate other things together as Christians, that actually we'd have big celebration. You know, it would go up into the sky. People would see it and they would say, wow, that's proper celebration. But as I think about celebration, I don't know about you, but... There's that kind of like, well, as Christians, we're not really supposed to get very excited and celebrate and just, you know, have fun. And I think it's not true. If you look at the Old Testament, um, 
And they had one celebration after another. And um, there's a list here of the Jewish celebrations for the next year. Um, and if you look at that list, it's massive. If you count up the number of days, they've got more than 60 celebration days in the Jewish calendar in the next year. If you then add on all of the Sabbaths, they spend nearly a third of their year doing celebration. I don't know when they work. I guess that's the other two-thirds of the time. But, um, but there's a third of the year. And this was the calendar that Jesus was kind of in. This was, this was his life. So there he was. He spent like a third of his life celebrating. So if we think about, well, um, as Christians, we're supposed to be a, just that little bit more somber. I want you to reflect back. That's not what we read in the Bible. And you might say, well, that's for the Jews. I think it's my movement. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to stop swinging about. Um, so um, you'd say, well, you know, it's the Jewish calendar. But actually, Jesus was Jewish, and actually he changed what we do. He changed the way that we understand God, because he came from God. And he didn't quit on the celebration thing. As we read about Jesus, we get the the story of the water into wine. This is like Jesus' first miracle. He's at a party. They're partying so hard, all the wine runs out. And he doesn't go, well, you've had enough. And now it's perhaps time to go home. You know, That's what you'd expect of the teaching of Jesus, isn't it? You know, God comes in, well, actually, we'd best pipe down a bit now. No. Jesus goes and turns some water into wine, and not just a little bit. We're talking like huge vats, gallons and gallons, and it's good wine. He pulls out the good wine for the party. This is the Jesus that we worship. He's a Jesus who who enjoys the celebration and doesn't hold back. Now, I love food and good drink. I really enjoy eating. And that's not bad. Shame, yes, I know, Pamela. Um, shameless plug, my book's at the back, and I talk about me eating in the book because actually um, it is a key part of my life. And yes, I perhaps eat slightly too much, but, but I do enjoy my food. And, and the thing is, Jesus enjoyed food too. As we read about Jesus, um, there's the story of Zacchaeus. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about what was happening there. So Zacchaeus is up the tree, and Jesus comes along and he goes, Oi, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house for dinner. Now, what did Zacchaeus feel at this point in time? My thought is, we've got nothing in the freezer. I mean, if Jesus just said, I'm just popping around for dinner, what, what, what do you do? What, what do you make? You know, you, you've got to make something good if he's coming into the house. You, you've got to get it right, haven't you? And um, I don't know whether Mrs. Zacchaeus was at home and she was already cooking up something, but if she wasn't, Jesus turns up at the house. Well, they've got to start making the bread. So they've got to go kind of kneading the dough and, and setting it to one side, and, and then they've got to get a stew on. We, 
we're probably talking like two or three hours before it got to the point of dinner. And that's when actually Jesus was talking to Zacchaeus. Maybe they were in the kitchen together and um, Zacchaeus gives Jesus a knife and he starts chopping up the meat to go in the stew. I, I don't know. But I can't imagine Jesus sitting in the other room waiting for Zacchaeus to prepare. They were probably there and, and he's getting involved in the cooking. And as they're, as they're doing their cookery together, they're talking. And it makes such a massive impression. Zacchaeus changes, doesn't he? the end of the story, he turns his life around to a completely different place where he gives away all of the money that he's got through uh, ill-gotten means. And actually, that's Jesus's pattern, is that they ate together and they learned together. When I um, first came to Bakewell, when I was looking to get a job, is Rosie here? No, that's fine. I can tell the story. <laughs> um, so um, and John, John was kind of showing me around the practice and he wanted to have a proper talk with me because he guessed from my CV that I was obviously a Christian. So he thought, I best, um, I best go out of the practice. Um, I'm a doctor, by the way. Sorry if you don't know. And um, John was what, another one of the doctors in the practice. And he was like, well, let, let's go out. Let's have a look at the community hospital. And he went, are you hungry? Now, I'd I'd got up early that morning because I'd been to Holmes Chapel from York to go and have a look at a practice there and then driven across the Peak District to here to, to have a look at the practice here. And by this point, it's like five in the afternoon. I was famished. And if you know John, John, John likes his food. And um, he's like, I'm really hungry. It's got to like five o'clock. It's not even evening time. He's like, I'm really hungry. Should we go to my house and we'll get some food? So we go into John and Rose's kitchen. And there's no food, basically. There was, there was two crusts of a loaf of bread in the bottom of the bag. And, um, and he went, I'm sure there were a tin of beans in the cupboard. And sure enough, there was a tin of beans in the cupboard. And he went, would you like some cheese on top of the beans? And I was like, yeah, that'd be great. So he gets out this piece of cheese, and it's about this cubed. And it's got mould down one side of it. And he went, you're worried by that? I was like, no. So we cut the mould off, kind of scraped off the edge, and we sliced the rest, which we put on top of our beans on toast. And Rosie walks in as we're doing this. absolutely mortified that John would share the crusts of the loaf and the mouldy cheese with a new visitor to the house. You know, I remember that time. Not just because Rosie was so mortified, but I remember that time because I kind of, I knew this was somebody that I could work with. And you know what? John, from that time on, was hospitable and he looked after me. He fathered me as I learned how to do general practice. And I reflect back to that time. From the outset, he sat down and he had food and he talked just as Jesus would. And actually, that made a massive difference to me, what he did. And so I remember that. Just a few weeks later, I'd moved to Bakewell, and um, John said, do you want to come to a small group tonight? And Pamela was with me, and uh, she'd just moved down from York, and we went, that would, that would be great. So he so gave me this little address on this scrappy bit of paper. He just ripped it off something else and wrote this address on and we turn up at Dave and Leslie's house, and I knocked on the door. Dave answers the door. I went, hi, I'm Peter, and just walk into the house. 
and uh, I'd kind of followed round to the smell of the kitchen, and, uh, and there was Leslie in the kitchen. I was like, hi, I'm Peter, this is Pamela. And uh, we get ourselves a cup of tea, and Dave goes, who is this? I've got no idea who this is. And it was only when John and Rosie turned up about 20 minutes later that actually the penny dropped as to who I really was. Um, they hadn't kicked me out of the house. They were like, no, this is our house. We have like an open door policy. You just walk in, we share with you. And you know what? We were welcomed from day one. Did we go off and look at other churches and do the tour that we planned? No, of course we didn't. Because actually we were made welcome as we joined uh, with the people here. And we didn't want to go anywhere else. And you know, Jesus did stuff together with his disciples. They, they cooked together, didn't they? They had fish over open fires. They had picnics together. We're told they were walking through the cornfields and they're picking the corn. And we were told that story because actually it was seen as a wrong thing to do on the Sabbath. But actually, we know that just as they're going around, they're like, it's a bit of food, we'll have some food. And they, they eat together, they walk together, they talk together. And actually, that's how we live as Christians, or how we're supposed to live. Mary Martha, we, we hear that story, don't we? And it says uh, she knew what was most important. Because she didn't get in the kitchen and get worried about all the cookery. But actually she sat with Jesus and talked. And, and I think there's, there is a bit of perspectives going on, isn't there? At Christmas time we can get so caught up on getting the turkey perfect that actually we miss out on the family stuff. So, so yes, there is, there is a bit of that. But actually Jesus tells stories about the celebrating. He tells the story about the prodigal son, doesn't he? And he talks about, you know, welcoming him back. And they don't go, and so they put up a little banner. You know? No, they killed the fattened calf, you know? And the other son's like, you never do these kind of parties for me. And it's like, this is my son who returns. You know? That's the kind of celebration that God has as we come back to him. He welcomes us into his kingdom with huge party and it says as each sinner repents there's a party in heaven so if you've given your life to Christ there's been a massive party going on because of what you did and if you don't know Christ he wants to have a huge party for you and Jesus was accused of hanging out with gluttons and drunkards. It says this in, in Luke 7. It says, But John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread. I didn't even move. Something else is causing that interference. Um, it says, But John the Baptist didn't spend his time eating bread or drinking wine. And you say, He's possessed by a demon. The son of the man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And you say, He's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by the way of the, uh, by the lives of those who follow it. Effectively, there was is that dead? Oh no, I'm back. Well, hey, um, so effectively, it was saying um, that that as we um, kind of meet together and we eat together and we enjoy together, that is the kind of pattern that we need to have as we live with Christ. 
kind of amongst us, in our gatherings. And we're not supposed to hold back. We're supposed to enjoy the celebration. I was reminded of this from Deuteronomy by um, one of my colleagues at work this week. So it's talking about... I'm definitely not moving. <laughs> I'm going cha- to change. Yeah, turn that one off. So, well, it's on as well. Well, hey. Um, so... Um, I was reminded of this from Deuteronomy, and there's this bit in Deuteronomy where they're told to take their tithes um, in, and, um, and it says, you know, if you can't get there, then sell your tithe of your crop and get some silver. And um, this is what it says. It doesn't, doesn't say, then get somebody to go take the silver to the temple. It says, use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink, or anything that you wish, and then you and your household should eat in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. God's not a God who says, this is the rule, and if you don't do it properly, then, then you're going to be like squashed by me. He says, no, no, just use the money and go and have a party with your family. That's the God who is over us. That's the God who we know is not a killjoy. And um, yeah, at Christmas... Um, there can be that distraction of all the, the periphery stuff. Yes, and we've got to remember the reason for the season. But God doesn't say back off from enjoying it. I think that's really important for us to hear at this time of year. Because if you read so much stuff um, about you know, um, our Christian response to Christmas, you know, well, it didn't even happen at this time of year. And yeah, it's just a pagan festival that we've adopted. And yes, there is all that kind of historical stuff. But actually God says it's good to celebrate together so we're a people of community we're not made to walk alone in our Christian walk we're made to be together so as we celebrate together at Christmas yeah there's the kind of thing that Marion brought there actually there's a heavy heart there's stuff going on that's difficult but actually We're to celebrate with those people who are grieving because of the deaths or the difficult things. We're also to celebrate about the births and the marriages. We're to celebrate for these different times of years, the birthdays, the high days, the holidays. And together, as we celebrate, as we enjoy together, we learn about God together. And we can be then properly open and share. And when we do that, we start to get support from one another. I don't know about you, but I think biscuit and coffee at the end of church doesn't kind of quite cut it sometimes. You're standing out there in all the the kind of malay. It's not the time to kind of open your heart, is it? But as we sit down to food together, we actually, we get the opportunity to open our heart and actually say what's really going on in our lives. And at that point, we understand the value of community. So if you're not doing community as a Christian today, you know, you're not, you're not really meeting with others, I just want to encourage you, do it. It's good for you. I read this from uh, Wycliffe um, the last couple of weeks. It says, um, whether you're having friends over for dinner or serving at church, make time to enjoy the people you're serving. Consider taking down that five-course meal just down a notch 
because it's the laughs and the meaningful moments that are most memorable. And you might say, but really, frankly, at the moment, I've got nothing to celebrate. And I don't believe it's true. It might be how your heart kind of feels at the moment. But actually, there's reasons to celebrate, reasons to be cheerful. One, two, and three. And actually, we need to remember some of those reasons. Uh, Rebecca just spoke really clearly there. I really appreciate you sharing that. Even in a time of difficulty, there's reasons to remember what God's done for us. Yeah, Jesus is the reason for the season. Don't take Christ out of Christmas. But don't take the celebration out of the festival. And so I want to encourage you today to celebrate. And I want to finish up um, with bread and wine today. Because actually, um, Jesus was there and um, they're at the Passover meal. He knows he's just about to go and that he's going to die. He's spoken about it clearly for a few years that he's going to die. The disciples don't believe him, but he knows it's going to happen. And there he is, they're, they're reclining after dinner. Now, I don't know how much they'd eaten of the Passover meal, but I, I guess they were pretty stuffed because they were reclining at the table and they're, they're kind of, they're lying back. And John's kind of got his head on Jesus' shoulder and just they're, they're reclining away. And um, it's at that point that Jesus talks about some really meaningful stuff. And as we share together bread and wine, we remember that actually Jesus understood what was going on. He understood that he was about to go to the cross. We remember that he did arrive on the cross and that he was crucified for us. And that he said, oh my word, this is difficult. He, he cries out, doesn't he? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how he felt. God had departed from him. Maybe as you're going through difficult times, you feel like, well, where is God in all of this? And that's how Christ felt on the cross. Where are you, God, my father? But actually, it didn't finish there, did it? We know the end of the story. We know that three days later, he rose again. And that he rose victorious over sin and death. And that he won for us a place in eternity. And so as we eat bread and we drink wine, we, we remember that. We remember that actually he died for us and we celebrate together. So I'm going to hand over and uh, we're going to share bread and wine together.